Tonight we're going to continue our study in the Gospel according to John. And last week I completed the study of uh, John six fifty-seven through 60, yeah, 61. And that was by way of the doctrine of manna. And then when time expired, I was about to start an analysis of 6, chapter 6, book of John, 62 through 65. And uh, that was going to be by way of the doctrine of the ascension and seating of Christ. So let's see what we've got now, beginning in verse 62. We'll read through verse 65. What if you see the Son of Man, this is Christ speaking, of course, ascend to where He was before. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning, again in reference to his omniscience, which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Uh, he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. <clears throat> All right, I want to review some of that learned and then begin new material at point nine on page three. That verses, those verses 62 through 65 certainly bring out some of the things that we talk about in our church and uh, uh, emphasize if you're going to believe it's the Holy Spirit that's going to present the gospel, make it clear to you. And uh, there has to be positive volition. And when that occurs, it's up to the person to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved or not. Uh, so our job is to be ready to give an answer to any man who asketh you anything concerning the hope that is in you. Okay, now let's go to the doctrine of the ascension and seating of Christ. I know we've had it before, but uh, as you can tell in the book of John, John brings it up again. So we shall, and then other gospels bring it up, of course. It's part and parcel of uh, the gospel of uh, the resurrection. You have to look at both of them, but we're going to single out first the ascension and seating of Christ, often called the session, the session of Christ. All right, definition and concept. <coughs> Excuse me. The bodily transfer of our Lord from the earth to the heavenly sphere of existence. That's the definition and the concept. The ascension is then that doctrine of Christology pertaining to the glorification of Jesus in hypostatic union. Hypostatic union comes from the Greek hypostasis, hypo meaning under, stasis meaning to stand. In other words, Christ stood under, so we call that the hypostatic union. And his being seated at the right hand of the Father in the place of honor. And that's where he sits today. It's hard to envision that. I know when I pray, I try to envision it, and it's very difficult to think about how he sits there and Christ is at his right hand and the Father is there and uh, the Holy Spirit is working and uh, it's a wonderful mystery. Alright, both the ascension and seating of our Lord were accomplished in resurrection body. Again, uh, this ascension of our Lord forms the climax of Jesus' strategic victory in the angelic conflict. 
And of course, if you need to know more about the angelic conflict, uh, for those who are are listening to us by way of either the podcast or the internet, you can go and find the doctrine of the angelic conflict. It's quite lengthy. And uh, we are in a war down here, a conflict. And uh, we need to be winners rather than losers, part of the pivot rather than part of the spinoff. All right, so the ascension of our Lord forms the climax then of that victory in the angelic conflict as to whom we would, we will select. Will we select Satan and his program or will we select God and his program? All right, the primary account of the ascension appears in Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 and Luke 24, 51 and those we studied. There is, of course, other reference in Mark 16, 19. Uh, but it is rendered questionable by inferior textual evidence. Mark 16, 9 through 20 does not appear in the better manuscripts. That's the one that talks about several things, not the least of which is uh, drinking poison and handling snakes. All right, however, the ascension is assumed as the foundation for numerous statements in the New Testament, Romans 8, 34. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1. And I shall read, and this begins a new material. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to lie, sits at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And then verse 1 of Hebrews 8 1, that was Romans 8 34, now to Hebrews. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. So again, uh, Romans, of course, uh, one of the epistles written by the Apostle Paul in the Hebrew book, maybe by Paul, maybe by some anonymous writer. And really, we really don't know, but uh, they do take different approaches because Hebrews is about... uh, 60 A.D., just about the time Rome is going to destroy uh, Jerusalem and the temple because of negative volition. So it's it's kind of like a desperate book. Please, please, please uh, be positive to the word, you Jewish Christians in particular. All right, in fact, there is hardly a new... And we've studied the book of Hebrews before. In fact, there is hardly a New Testament writer who does not give testimony, direct or indirect, to the truth of the ascension. I remember when I taught the book of Hebrews, someone said, and you all know who it was if I told you, but I'm not going to tell you. The person said, you know, that's all we really need. (laughs) It's a book of Hebrews. It's so complete. And I thought about it for a while, and I thought that's quite a compliment to the writer, you know, of the book of Hebrews. All right, according to Luke, the event took place approximately 40 days after the resurrection. Uh, Acts 1-3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. All right, uh, he also tells us it took place near Bethany on the Mount of Olives, disappearing into a cloud. 
and I've shown you maps before. You know how that is not. Uh, that's behind uh, the temple area. It's on the other side of the Brook of Kindred, and you go up a mountain, and you uh, there's a place called Bethany, and that's where he's going to return. He will return there, uh, and it's going to make for a nice opening for those who are in the conflict. Uh, against the armies of the world, uh, and they are Jews, right, predominantly, who are able to get out the back, if you will, and, and, uh, are saved and delivered. Some going to get to go into the, most of these folks, I suspect, are believers, but some are going to get to go into the millennium with Christ, and some will be judged and cast into punishment. All right, let's look at Luke twenty-four fifty and 51. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. All right, uh, so they, uh, of course, saw him leave, and there were a large number of people there. There were men and women, many of his followers. And then, of course, before he left, he said, Go to Galilee, and uh, I will see you there. And uh, they did, and that was, of course, replete with all sorts of meanings, like, what are we going to do there? What are you going to do there? Are you going to set your kingdom up there? Are we ready to uh, to go and have the millennium? And as you know, they misinterpreted Peter in particular and had a sermon which was way out in left field. Pardon the expression if you're a left fielder, but... Uh, it was uh, uh, needed, the Holy Spirit needed to prepare people for much of the doctrine like the church age, the tribulation, and then the return, uh, which they certainly were able to learn later, as we are able to learn because we are so blessed to have the indwelling of God, the Holy Spirit, to teach us. Alright, Acts 1.12, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. Alright, now Acts 1.9, After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him in their sight. Now whether the cloud was that of the Shekinah glory, or a natural cloud of vapor, the record does not make clear. So the ascension is anticipated certainly in the Old Testament. Psalm 68:18 When you ascend on high, you led captives in your train, you received gifts for men even for the rebellious that you O Lord God might dwell there. So the gifts were made possible of course uh and distributed and selected by the Holy Spirit for specific men, but Christ made possible the giving of the gifts and the Holy Spirit made the appropriation to the person. The perfect person getting the perfect gift and we as Christians all get one, at least one gift. Alright, Ephesians 4, eight. this is why it says, when he, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Alright, the Lord says to my Lord in Psalm 110.1, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 
again relating back to the custom of the day when one particular king would defeat another king, they would bring him in and he would be submissive by demonstrating he would put his head down on a footstool and he would put his head foot on his head. And then depending upon the uh, decisions made by the king who won the battle, or the war, uh, he may survive and he may not survive. Alright, so the ascension was prophesied by our Lord, again in John 6, looking at verse 58 first, then John 6, 62, and then John 20, verse 17. First John 6, 58, he spoke of this is the bread that came down from heaven. Doctrine. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. And then verse 62, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? And then John twenty seventeen, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now certainly there are objections uh, being raised, have been raised concerning the ascension uh, by those who approach the record from a naturalistic viewpoint. They assert that such violation of the law of gravity is unthinkable. However, for those who accept the possibility of supernatural intervention in the world, the ascension is certainly not a problem. Uh, given, an, given an omnipotent God, both resurrection and ascension are easily conceivable. Some view the ascension as being merely a symbolic representation of Christ's entrance into divine glory. This is an attempt to retain the spiritual value of the ascension account without sacrificing the concept of the natural world as a closed system not susceptible to supernatural intervention. So we have to think about, in my opinion, and when you get to a case where you're a new believer or you're a believer who's wondering about, is this all true? Well, the best way to attack that is to go to Pastor Merritt's study book, The Authenticity of the Bible. And uh, there you will find such many, many numerous Phenomena that just cannot be explained but have happened and will happen and continue to happen. It's very convincing, I must admit. Alright, the significant then of the ascension certainly is manifold. For Christ Himself, the ascension meant exaltation to a position of glory as the victorious Lord, the head of the church. Ephesians 1.20 reading through verse 23, with such power he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. And then in Philippians 2.9, Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name. 
So Christ himself, uh, it meant exaltation. Alright, now let's look at the, the ascension and what it made possible. One of the wonderful things it made possible was the Holy Spirit's coming. Indwelling the believer as a helper to convince of sin and to teach us the Word of God. There are at least 11 scriptures which I have provided for you in my doctrine of the Holy Spirit that tell us all believers get the Holy Spirit the moment that they believe. Now look at John 16, 17, and 8. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. He's talking to his disciples now. A way of secondary application, of course, to uh, us. Or you might say tertiary application. So, uh, to many of us. So unless I go away, he says, the counselor, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, and I will, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin because they believe not, and righteousness because Christ is going to be with the Father in judgment because of Satan is just. Alright, and that's, uh, made, that's, that's a statement. In essence, from John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So very interesting verse. He's not going to make, he, he will not make himself the center of attraction, but rather he wants Christ to be the center of attraction. But he will convince, speak his laleo there, which means to be uh, made clear. He will make clear what he hears. So as you hear today, for example, uh, the scripture being cited, the scripture being uh, taught. Holy Spirit will teach you the meaning, and then He will also tell you of things to come. An uh, interesting title of a book, Things to Come by Dwight L. Pentecost, a doctoral dissertation which tells you more about eschatology than you would ever want to know. Much great. Many, many great truths found therein. I met him one time and uh, I told him how much I appreciate both he and Dr. Thame, Colonel Thame. He didn't, you know, they made Colonel Thame quit calling himself a doctor because he never did get his doctor, but he certainly had all the things that the doctors get and more. Alright, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now Acts 2.33 Exalted to the right hand of God, He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So the ascension signifies our identification with Christ. Our Lord is seated with the Father in the heavenlies and we are identified with our Savior in the heavens. Ephesians 2.6 And God raised us up with Christ and seated us, that's positionally of course, seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And then Colossians 3.1 reading through verse 3 Since then you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 
For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Alright, the ascension initiated Christ's highly, excuse me, high priestly advocacy before the Father on the believer's behalf. A truth which is given major treatment in the epistles to the Hebrews. That you no longer have a earthly high priest, but rather we have a high priest in the heavens. And he tries to make that clear because those Christians in Jerusalem and I suspect Jews in general were going back under the law and refusing to accept the teachings of grace by going into the uh, uh, Bible studies that were provided there with uh, James being in charge of all the Judeo-Christian churches. But they were suffering. And uh, R.B. Thiem makes the point that they're, they're suffering because they're negative to the Word. And that's why he's going to destroy the temple, he's going to destroy the city, and he's going to disperse them all over the world. Uh, it's a sad, sad state of affairs, and that will be done in 70 A.D. in the month of August. Okay, and we've certainly studied that before. Alright, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And then down in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20, Jesus who went before us has entered into the third heaven on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order, or we have also translated, after the order of Melchizedek. And you will remember the story of Melchizedek who was the man who conquered Jerusalem uh, or Jerusalem and uh, he had uh, poor old Abraham had to go rescue his nephew Lot and after he did and he passed by the city the Jew Avram Abraham uh, he stopped and Melchizedek came out of Jerusalem to see him he was a Jebusite uh, he could have been a uh, a Christian Jew, or he could have been a Jebusite who had many false gods. Chances are the latter. But he came out and he visited with Abraham. And Abraham purposefully, because of what we have in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament story, the New Testament here in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20, uh, who paid the tithes to whom was the key. And of course... Abraham, a Jew, paid tithes to a Jebusite high priest. And uh, why? Because Christ was going to come like Melchizedek. He would be a king by way of victory on the cross and not by lineage. In other words, um, the high priest of Israel at that time would come by lineage, of course. Uh, certainly by Levi, the third son of Jacob, and then Eliezer as a high priest, 
who was also, of course, from Levi. He would become the, the high priest. But uh, not Christ. No, Christ was from the tribe of Judah. He was the fourth son. And therefore, he was not eligible to be the high priest. And uh, as a result, um, he had to attain the high priesthood by victory on the cross. And that he did. So you can see the meaning of Melchizedek. And many people get all mixed up about this. Uh, I saw on the internet where someone had a dissertation on the fact that uh, Melchizedek had a temple. And of course, when they finally dug it up, it wasn't a temple. It was a little prayer room. Because there's only five temples. You can all can list them, I'm sure. If you hold up fingers and you go one, two, three, four, five, you know, you can get them. The last one being that the body that you have as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is the temple of God. But it starts with the tabernacle and then there we have temple, 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 etc. But we'll not get into that. But you can find it on the internet. Pastor Mary's study books. Alright, Hebrews said a doctrine, several doctrines of the temple. Alright, Hebrews 7, 22, 23, 24, and 25. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Better than the one that that Israel had. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. Talking about high priests, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And in Hebrews 9.24, For Christ did not enter into a man-made sanctuary, like first the tabernacle, then the temple. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered himself, he entered heaven itself. Now to appear for us in God's presence. So Christ will return to the earth in the same manner in which he ascended. And you remember we spent a lot of time of that in the book of Zechariah and how old Joshua was standing before the Lord and, and uh, uh, the devil was up there accusing him to God and then he had his he had his advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, who stood up and said, Hold it, hold it, and he took his old filthy turban off of him and took off the old filthy ink ink uh, uh, uh Robe, <laughs> get there in a minute, and uh, put him on a clean robe, put him on a new t- turban, and uh, that was that was a story that was provided in the book of Zechariah, written 520 years before Christ, about what would happen when somebody accuses us up there, and there are people accusing us up there, especially demons, you know, and. Uh, but we have an advocate, Jesus the Christ. Alright, so men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Alright, the resurrection body, and I've told you the story about the, the, the president of Holiday Inn that wanted to build a motel there. So he'd have a place, Jesus would have a place to sleep, you know, right there on the Mount of Olives. And they said, no, you can't do that because this is going to be a terrible earthquake here someday. The seismographics studies that we run say you ought not build anything here because it's one of these days it's going to be a big time earthquake right here. 
And of course, that's what the scripture says. All right. Uh, the resurrection body of Jesus was, Jesus was capable of horizontal and vertical travel. He went through the walls, passing also through two heavens to the third heaven. Of course, the heaven that we have and we see, and you have the stratosphere, and, and then of course you have uh, on the sphere, etc., the various spheres, and then you have that uh, which is where heaven is. And remember the Russians made a big part, big deal of that, you know, when they first got into space. And they said, we didn't find God up here at all, you know. We were, we're in the heavens. We're beyond the heavens. We're going around the earth, you know. And that's when uh, John F. Kennedy said, we are going to go to the moon. And many young men were jerked out of law school, et cetera, et cetera, and were moved to California where we had the, one of the most magnificent technological advancements the world has ever known. And if uh, having worked there and been there, and it was something else. Who would have thunk it that we could do that? All right, so the ascension establishes the authority of our Lord to intercede for us. Romans 8.34, Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, sits at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. The power and perfection of his total being and work is portrayed in the ascension. Hebrews 1.3 The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. That is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So the ascension is related then to the angelic conflict, as we have said, Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? All right, his ascension is related to our Lord's unique sacrifice for sin. Uh, notice, of course, the angelic conflict will be actually totally complete when the Lord Jesus Christ returns at his second advent. And uh, he goes down to Tartarus, you'll remember, and makes sure those special demons understand the battle is over and then later on all those who are released for a short time uh, will be cast into eternal punishment along with all unbelievers who appear before the great white throne. All right, his ascension is related to our Lord's unique sacrifice for sin, Hebrews 10, 12. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. That's our Savior. The ascension is related to our need to keep ourselves occupied with Christ. Hebrews 12.2 gives us the concept. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who instead of the joy sat before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Okay, so instead of the joy that he had in heaven, he came to earth. And you'll find that in the KJV, who for the joy. And there's a preposition there that can be translated two ways. And you have to make the judgment. And uh, my judgment is it should be instead of the joy rather than for the joy. I know Colonel Thieme teaches that differently. He says for the joy, sharing the happiness of God. But uh, it definitely can be done both ways. Okay, the ascension is related to the strategic victory of Jesus the Christ, his celebrity ship and giving of gifts to church age believers. First Peter three twenty two, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Ephesians four seven, reading through verse eleven. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he led captives as he got them out of Sheol and brought them to heaven in, resur- in, in, in not in resurrection body, but in soul body format. He led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? That would be the duplex, the good guy side. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets. Those gifts are gone today. And some to be evangelists and some to be pastors dash teachers, not pastors and teachers. Alright, then Acts 2.33, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So the ascension made possible our receiving the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Alright, 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? That's one of those... 11 scriptures I told you about. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And then John 37, reading through verse 39, which we've studied in part, of course, on the last day and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture scripture has said, Streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Another verse that says we all get the Spirit. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So the ascension verifies the efficacy of Christ on the cross. It was necessary then for the Copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Alright, for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. The ascension begins the ultimate defeat and the process of the capitulation of Satan in the angelic conflict. Now the ascension is certainly related to the doctrine of the resurrection. 
So I have been talking up here for some time and I don't have any idea how long it's been. What's that? My time's... Five more minutes? Well, let's stop right now then because we'll have a... a uh, we'll have a good place to start with the doctrine of the resurrection. So let's uh, close her out with a with an invitation. Certainly this lesson in various places I've noticed is certainly urged people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's just kind of step back for a moment and isolate a time of salvation for people who may be without Christ, without hope, and without eternal life. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I would pray you would certainly uh, ask the Father to effectively uh, empower what I'm about to say which all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Interestingly, he came unto his own Israel, but his own Israel refused him. But as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And it's all by grace, free, a gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Now I would ask that God the Holy Spirit would take that which I have presented, make it real, in order that we might grow in your wonderful grace and become more like our Lord and Savior, even Jesus the Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen.